You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwam. Romans 13, 8. I want to read from the Amplified because I, I like it best from the Amplified because I think it explains it the best. It says, keep out of debt. You know, if that's all we had to say on the subject, you could enter into quite a bit of God's supernatural financial prosperity right there. Keep out of debt. Owe no man anything except to love one another. For he who loves uh, his neighbor he pract and practices loving others, he has fulfilled the law. Related to one's fellow man, and it meets all the requirements. Stay out of debt. Owe no man anything except to love him. And we're going to talk about the power that debt has on the life of believers. Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to talk about kingdom business, supernatural financial prosperity. Father, I endeavor to stay true to this word that you've given us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you reveal, bring revelation knowledge and insight to each one of us that we could understand what it is that you have for us as your children, as kingdom covenant people, and what we're supposed to do with money, and how money should be an influence for the kingdom of God. And I thank you for that. And we'll be sure to give you all of the praise, all of the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. There are basically two different systems at work in the world today. The first system I call the Babylonian or the world's financial system. A definition of this system would be a system that is built on debt. It's a system built on debt. It's a system that is built on debt as a form of bondage, and it's a system that's built on debt as a form of prosperity. We'll, we'll, we'll see that today. I don't know how far we're going to get today, but I'm not in any hurry. You can come back for part two and get the rest of it. Amen? And then there's the kingdom of God's financial system. Its definition would be a system that is built on increase. God's kingdom financial system is built on increase. So if you just wanted two words to define these systems, the Babylonian system would be a system of debt, so that word would be debt. But God's kingdom financial system, the word would be increase. God's system is about increase. When he made mankind, he told them to be fruitful and multiply, to increase. God is the God of of increase, and his systems work by increase. Know it or not, most, most people who call themselves Christians operate their entire lives under the Babylonian system. Or for most, or even some of us may operate in the Babylonian system and some in God's kingdom system, but very few, very few ever live fully in God's financial system of increase. But see, there is that other system that exists, 
and it is a superior system. Why? Because it is supernatural, which means it relates to the kingdom of God. And it does exist. It is real as the chairs you are sitting on this morning. And it is defined in Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Everything that we see today began in the unseen. In the beginning, God said, and he created it. Paul quoted Abraham's life, and he said, God that gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they do. God's system is a system of increase. There's another system. There's a better way. But see, you will only do what you know. You will only do what you know. You are only capable of doing the thing that it is that you know. The reason people don't operate in the kingdom financial system, they have limited knowledge of it. They don't know how it works. They don't even know what it is. But there is a kingdom system, and it's available for every born-again believer. Do you know that the kingdom financial principles will work whether you're a believer or not? Because they're principles of God. God's principles work whether you are a believer or not. Trust me, go up on top of a building sometime and jump off and see whether his law and principle of gravity works. It works. It doesn't matter whether you're born again. It doesn't matter. It works. God's principles are established. And it's amazing to me, you know, you can pay, and corporates, people do this all the time. You can pay $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 and go to these seminars. And a motivational or a life coach uh, type speaker will, will get up and they'll tell you how to be successful in business. Nine times out of ten, you can find those principles in the book of Proverbs. They may have changed their clothing a little bit, put a different spin on them, painted them a different color, but they have tapped into principles of God that work. So, the reason why most people don't operate in kingdom principles is because they have limited limited knowledge and don't know how it works. Go with me to Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua 1.8. Israel had just seen Moses depart, and Joshua now is the leader of Israel. And Joshua here in verse 8 says something that for the nation of Israel and for all of us, for all eternity here on earth, will change the way that we operate in life if we will just follow this direction. Joshua said, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That means you'll never stop talking about it. Everything you should talk about should be about the book of the law. Everything you think about should be about the book of the law. Therefore, everything you talk about should be about the book of the law. This book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night. You should learn its ways. You should learn its ways. There's two identical scriptures in Proverbs. One of them can be found in Proverbs 14.12, the other one in Proverbs 16.25. Uh, I don't think I gave this to you guys in the booth, but it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. See, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in its end it is death. Most of us grew up and learn the Babylonian system of financial uh, operations. We learn 
from our parents. We learned from our grandparents. Why? Because that's what they were doing. It's what people in America did. It's what people, wherever you know, country you were in, what you were raised in. And it's a way that seemed right. But in the end, it is a way of death. It is a way of barely get along. It is a, it is a way that is meant to keep most people uh, in bondage. But its end is death. All right, let's go back to Joshua 1.8. Meditate on it day and night. That you may observe to do according to all. Say all. You do according to all that is written in it, for then... See, we've missed the all. Many believers want to do some of what's written in the book of the law. We want to do the part that we like. You know, but, but the part that we don't like, Jesus, we're just going to put that under grace. Listen, folks. The law of sowing and reaping has never changed. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If we don't do all, we don't get all. I mean, how many times have you had an employer that, that and me, because I've done a lot of contract work over the years, that said, you know, well, let's use this for an example. You know, there's a big pile of dirt there, and they say, if you move all of that pile of dirt from here to over here, I'll pay you $1,000. Now, you don't get halfway done moving the pile of dirt and going to the boss and go, hey, give me 500 bucks. I got half the pile done. He says, no, we had a deal. You get all the money when you do all of the work. What did Joshua say here? He said, do according to all that is written, and then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. One of the reasons why we're not making our way prosperous as a whole in the body of Christ is because we are not doing all that God has shown us to be kingdom principles, things related to how the kingdom financial system works. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, hey, I've arrived, man. I am right there with you. I'm learning every day how to do all. And when I find out I'm not doing all, I change. And I start doing more. Because I want to do all. I want my way to prosper. And I want to have good success. There is bad success. Hollywood is filled with bad success. You can pick up a tabloid almost any week and, and find... Do they still make tabloids? I mean, you know, they used to have them papers. But you can pick up a tabloid almost any week and there would be so-and-so died of drug overdose. So-and-so died of alcoholism. So-and-so died of suicide. Well, they had success and they had prosperity, but it wasn't good. I want God's prosperity. And I want good success. But because we don't do all that God has instructed us, we've limited our kingdom. We are limited in our kingdom financial knowledge. Therefore, what is left? What is left? It's a religion and a Babylonian or world financial system. I want to read, I, I pulled this information. I thought this was absolutely uh, incredible. And I, I've, I've heard people mention it before, but I went out and found it. According to a very prominent early childhood development organization, and, and this is out of their materials, it says, from birth to age five, a child's brain develops more than at any time in life. And early brain development has a lasting impact on a child's ability to learn and succeed in school and life. The quality of a child's experiences in the first few years of life, positive or negative, help shape how their brains developed. 
And then they went on to say children who experience more positive interactions in their early years go on to be healthier, more successful in school and in life. Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. Poverty, uh, poverty exposure, uh, exposure to family, with violence and lack of access to early quality learning and educational experiences can negatively impact a child's early brain development and subsequently their long-term success. So what is that saying? That is saying that what you learned in the first five years of developed has an overwhelming impact on your life today. I heard... Um, one person gave out a st statistic that 85% of the things that you believe today actually were developed in the first five years of your life. That's incredible. So if we're living in a system that believes in lack, if we're living in a, in, in, in a, a culture that, that believes in debt, if we're living in a society that, that believes that, that wrong is right, we carry those uh, thoughts, those beliefs with us. Now, in many cases, we're able to bury them. But I can tell you that when the pressures of life come on, it's those things that have been uh, rooted in, in, in fundamental beliefs that come out. And that's why you can believe scriptures that say you're supposed to be prosperous, but when the pressure comes on, if they haven't become part of your life, they haven't become part of your absolute belief system, you fall back and say, well, I guess it's just like my dad. I guess it was just meant to be. I just, I just didn't have the, the gift or the gene or, or the whatever because of what happened in early in life. Now, thank God we have an ability to form new brain norms. Romans 12.2 says that we can be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And we're going to talk about uh, that a little bit more. I'm going to go into a little bit here today. But we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Remember, we were made new when we become Christians. Old things had passed away. We became a clean slate. Now, all of those programmings are there, but Jesus said, hey, you can have the mind of Christ. How do we start to get the mind of Christ? We observe to do all that is written herein. But unfortunately, when most people get born again, when most people receive Christ as Savior, what happens? They think, well, I've arrived, I've got a ticket to heaven. And they read some of the Bible, and I think, oh, that's really good, that's a good story, that's a good book. And then whatever their preacher believes, they get taught. And if your preacher believes in doubt and unbelief, you learn doubt and unbelief. And if he believes in poverty and sickness, you learn poverty and sickness. If your preacher believes that miracles have passed away today, you'll begin to develop a belief that miracles have passed away today. And then when you need one, you won't be in a position to believe for one. Why? Because you'll have an underlying root of belief system that had been restructured structured in your transformation process. Let's start first, though, over in Ephesians 4. You read verses 23 and 24. Ephesians 23 and 24. Paul writing to the Ephesian church. And he says, And be renewed or made new in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. How are you going to know what the new man is if you don't observe all? 
How are you going to know what the new man's supposed to be if you don't observe all? Well, that's okay. My grandma, she, she's been a Christian a long time. She'll tell me. She'll give me good advice. But what if her foundation is built on sand? She can only give you what she's got. And so that's why we have to observe all. This is, for, for me, this isn't fun and games. This is life transforming. If I hadn't, thank God for the men and women who, 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 who taught me the Bible and, and provided a spiritual foundation and helped me get, become transformed and renew my mind. Thank God for them. I grew up being poor. My dad left. Left my mom with, with, with all of us kids. We grew up with hand-me-downs. But she did everything. She, she worked hard and she, she got what she, you know, the things that she had to get but to take care of us kids and stuff. But I grew up, you know, with less than a lot of people did. I could have let that define me. But thank God for the mentors God put in my life that were able to show me I didn't have to be poor anymore. I didn't have to, to live the life that my family had left, that my parents had left, that, that, that other people in society had left. I didn't have to become a statistic of what happens to kids of divorced families. I was made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means I have a right to stand in the presence of God. Well, what does that mean? That means you have a covenant with the Most High. Well, what does that mean? That means that he said that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a treasure such that you can't even contain. I said, really? What does that mean? That means you can become prosperous and be a blessing to others, having something to give into every good work. It's because of those who taught me that made it possible that I could be standing here today. I mean, think about it. If I was working at Circle K, I don't even know what minimum wage is now, but let's say making 10 bucks an hour, and they had said, hey, can you take over a church that's headed in uh, with a building going into foreclosure that's out of money and losing $15,000 a month, can you take that over? I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been in a position because I wouldn't have been kingdom-minded in order to do that. I wouldn't have been able to be in a position to be where God has positioned me and purposed me today. So thank God for those who taught me about renewing the mind and, and, and the fact that, that I can put on a new man clothed in righteousness. I can put on the mind of Christ. Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2. In Romans 12.1, Paul says, hey, look, uh, hey, it's a reasonable sacrifice just to, to give your body for the service to God. It's reasonable to do that. And he says, and, but don't, but listen here, and don't be conformed, satisfied with, influenced, or addicted to this world. And do not be conformed. That word conform literally means just that. Don't be satisfied with. Don't be conformed to the word. Don't be satisfied with it. Don't be influenced by it. And don't be addicted to it. It's addictive. There's a lot of stuff in the world that looks real cool. They know how to, to use neon lights and, and glitz and glitter. Don't be conformed to the world. 
but be transformed. Experience a metamorphosis. And we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks. But experience a metamorphosis. Uh, you know, and you may say, how? By renewing your mind that you may be able to prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, many never encounter even the good will of God. Why? Because they haven't renewed their mind. They may have, they may experience the love of God because in all their problems, they always, always know that Jesus never leaves them or forsakes them. But they never experience heaven on earth. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6? Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Now, is God's will for sickness? Nope, he doesn't have any in heaven. So his will here on earth would be that we could live in divine health. Does he have any poverty in heaven? Nope, doesn't have any. He's got so much extra gold, he decided just to pave the streets with the stuff. Couldn't find any mahogany for doorknobs, so he just decided to use diamonds. I mean, you think about it. He doesn't have any of that, and he says it's his will that we experience that on earth. Why? So that we can influence this world. So that we can have the things the world needs. Solomon, the Bible says, the richest man to ever exist, a man who is known for wisdom. He said it this way. He says, money answers all things. Money answers all things. You know, if you need a bridge across the river, if you've got enough money, you can build one. You need to go on a mission trip to South Africa? If you have enough money, you can go on that trip. Makes me think of guys like Lester Summerall who used to get on boats and travel for six months across the ocean to go on missionary trips. Thank God for some modern inventions. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But many never encounter the will of God. Most people are confronted with the will of religion not the will of God. Most people are confronted with the will of religion. Most people in this world, 7.3 billion people estimated now, have a religious outlook, have beliefs and faith in a religion, but not God. Do you know even atheists have a religion? It's called the I don't believe in God religion. But they have, a, they have an outlook, a faith, a belief in themselves because they say there is no God. But notice that their faith is in the religion. Their faith isn't in God, and that, that's what separates us. Most are immersed in the Babylonian system of life. And it doesn't matter whether you were born under capitalism, socialism, communism, or any form thereof, or combination of it. Your upbringing, what you learned when you were young, in great part will determine your propensity to business. I've heard people say, well, I just didn't get the business gift. No, that's not it. You weren't brought up to understand it. I don't know how many of you have hung around with people who are Jewish, but you generally don't have to convince them that they, that they were designed to prosper. Why? Because it's part of their culture. It's part of their upbringing. It's a part of who they are. How come the Jews have never lost that? But believers have completely given it, you know, given it away. To say, well, I want to be poor and humble. 
You can be rich and humble. It's a heart issue. And if we're observing all this, we'll get the heart issue fixed. We'll get, we'll get the, uh, God's agape kind of love so deep on the inside of us, the world won't know what to do with you. Hallelujah. A person's propensity towards entrepreneurship or to be involved in the labor force, have a job, or politics, governmental service. Those all have a lot to do with how you were brought up, what you learned when you were young, what was, what was seemed to be important, what happened culturally. I mean, you think about it. Let me ask you this question. How is it that, that people who were born here in the United States of America, the, the, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the, 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 the land of opportunity, you can be anything you want to be in life, has a whole culture that are looking for handouts on the welfare system, say that there's no way, there's no opportunity left in America, there's no way to make it. But somebody can come from Asia, get permission to come live here, and make millions of dollars. Why? Because it's part of the nature and their makeup. It's what they were born with. It's what they were, they were taught to do. It's how they, they, they were, their outlook on life. And they came here and said, man, this is the easiest place in the world. You try making, you try making millions of dollars in, in communist China or, or, or you know, Vietnam or North Korea. You try making a living there. You come here, it's easy breezy. Because it's the way that the, the people uh, were brought up. We have a government-centric education system. And it's designed in general, to produce educated people for a labor force. Did you know that? That our government is actually in the busy business of producing people who, whose whole plan in life is to get educated, to do the same things exactly the same as everybody else, so that you will be a good worker for somebody else and go to work for somebody else and make them a lot of money, but produce goods and services that are needed in our society. Now, those are needed, and it's important because things have to be produced. But our education system is not made to get you ahead. Our education system is made in order to supply the, the resources needed to keep the engine of commerce going. It's the Babylonian system. It's not the kingdom of God's system. People wonder, well, how can you say that? Well, it's easy. Under the Babylonian system, you had economic classes of people. You had haves. The haves were the business owners, the governmental leaders. They understood and utilized the economic system. They understood money. They understood economics. And so that they could continue to understand money and economics, they didn't want another class of people to learn economics. Do you know kids, when they graduate out of high school, I'm not going to say all of them because there may be some good high schools around, but most of them don't even know how to balance a checkbook. Most of them don't know how to do budgets. I was working with a debt management company one time and uh, overseeing their, their, uh, their call center and all that kind of stuff, and I just get amazed at how many people call in to the credit counselors and had no idea how to, how to create a budget, no idea how to take and figure out what should be done with their money. That is the simplest of the simplest economic education that somebody can have. How to not spend more than you bring in. 
But see, the Babylonian system doesn't want people to not spend more than they bring in. They want them to spend more than they bring in and amass debt. Because that debt is the engine of business. And then there's the have-nots. The have-nots are the slaves. They're the labor force. They're the producers. Why? Because they don't fully understand or use the economic system. And many times, why not? Because in their early development, something was ingrained into them that said that you're going to go to work, you're going to save for retirement, you're going to retire, and you're going to die. And that was the program. As life came on, they bypassed opportunities that God brought to them. I'm not saying it's bad to work, but there is a better way. There is a better system. I have had jobs, so I know what it's like to work. The Babylonian system needs the have-nots who toil and work by the sweat of their brow to produce for the business people. They need them to produce for, for those who are the haves. Go with me real quick. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Genesis 3. 16 and 17. This is after the fall of man. And the Lord said to the woman, I will greatly multiply you, your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Um, I'm not going to talk about this one today, but realize that, that the curse, and this, this will set religious people off, especially religious men. Part of the curse is that the husband will rule over his wife. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse. All right? So next time somebody comes up to you and says, well, you just get in your place, woman. The man is the head of the house. Well, he may be the head of the house, but it's not his job to rule over you anymore. You are now in unison. The two became one flesh. I remember I had a guy in my office one time, and uh, a friend of mine was working on trying to put a marathon, uh, uh, a run that started on the West Coast, went all the way to the East Coast, a veteran's run, and this guy was interested in it. And he said something to me. He says, I know I need to get to be a better husband, to be the head of the house, and so I can, can, can guide my wife and how she can be a better Christian woman. Well, that like to pop my cork. Because it isn't biblical. It's religious. You know, but Paul said, you know, women shouldn't speak in church. Why don't you go back and read and actually study what Paul was talking about and how many times Paul said things like, well, you know, uh, not the Lord but me, or, you know, concerning this, you guys decide whether or not it, it's good, for, good with you. Don't let somebody put the curse on, on you. You've been freed from the law of sin and death. That's why Paul said, hey, there's no either Greek or Jew. There's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. Well, who, who leads the family? Work that out. If you've got an accountant in the family, let them handle the checkbook. If you've got an electrical engineer in the family, let them wire the, the, the house. You know? I mean, work it out. The two became one flesh. Okay, enough with that. That's a soapbox for me. Okay, verse 17. <laughs> then to Adam he said... Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sakes. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. That's another curse. 
But see, we are taught from the time we're kids that all of our income has to come from our labor. All of our income has to come from our hard work. All of our, all of our income has to come through toil. And we have to worry about whether we're going to have a job or whether I'm going to show up a, in the locker room and there's going to be a pink slip on my, on my door or whether I'm going to get a pink slip in my box. But see, that is the curse. And that is the system that most believers are still living in is, is the, the, the system of Babylon, which is toiled and sweat. It's under the curse. It's where you exchange your life for money. Make no mistake. Acquiring prosperity through toil is a form of slavery. I know you're thinking already, well, how are we going to get it without toil? Without, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. I didn't say you shouldn't work. Because try not working and see how long... The cash flow continues. So you go to work for somebody else, doing what somebody else directs at a location defined by others, and you get to have vacation when somebody else decides it's okay. You're not in control of your own time. You're not in control of your own ministry, and you're not in control of your own life. Business, many business owners are even slaves to their businesses. It's the Babylonian system, and it's, and it was very and almost impossible to change an economic state in the Babylonian system. It was a system designed to teach you to work for others. The Babylonians needed workers. They needed people to harvest. They needed people to produce. They needed people to build. And they teach you to spend what livelihood you have left on high interest debt so you can have the better things in life. They also teach you to, to save in low-income-producing investments, generally below inflation. Let me just stop right here. How many of us have been taught how important it is to, to use a bank and to save money and, and earn interest, right? How important it is. That's the Babylonian system. It's got, not God's system. I think saving is important. But if you save for rainy days, what do you get? You get rain, right? But think about this. Let's just say that you wanted to buy a car a year from now that costs $100 today. And you have $100, and you're going to put that in your bank to earn some interest. Just using today's numbers, inflation's running about 3 to 4%, so we'll say 3%. Banks are paying somewhere between about 1 and 1 and a quarter percent. Let's say they're paying 2% for the sake of this example. This car costs $100. A year from now, when you get ready to go buy that car, how much is it going to cost? 3% interest, $100, $103. You have your $100, you put it in the bank to earn some interest. A year from now, you go to pull that $100 out of the bank, how much you have? $102. You have just lost a dollar. By doing what? By saving. So see, what, what has happened? You don't understand the economic, how money works. Banks know how money works. Because I guarantee you, you gave them that money at 2%, and they went out here and issued a credit card. The average interest on credit card nationwide is over 21%. And they loaned that money out at 21%. Now, any lightning fast minds can tell me what the difference between 21 and 2 is? 19%. The bank had no money. You gave them the money. They took your money and gave it to somebody else, and for doing that, they earned $19 over that year. 
See, under the Babylonian system, the banks are the haves of the business people. Under the Babylonian system, you know, this, this, is, this is the have-nots. They're doing what they've been taught is right, but they've been taught by the people who don't want them to have. And so they're living in an economic system that is actually causing them harm instead of blessing. They teach you also to spend income and assets for vacations, for doodads, and other non-producing expenses. They teach you to work 40 to 50 hours a week for 40 to 50 years. So you can live on 40 to 50% of what you couldn't live on before. That's the Babylonian system. They teach you to borrow and finance everything, including your retirement. You know, there are cases where reverse mortgages look like a good thing for somebody. But a reverse mortgage is simply mortgaging your retirement and your children's inheritance so that you can have some money today. And the reason why most people need a reverse mortgage is because they lived under the Babylonian system and they now don't have the resources that they should have when it's retirement time. But we have to learn that there's a new system because under the Babylonian system, debt's a way of life. But we can transform our minds. And I'm going to stop with this example. I'm not even near way, anywhere, about a third of the way done with today's lesson. So praise the Lord. We'll have something for next week. Amen. I just want to, I want to share, and I'm going to probably share this example again because it's, it's a really good example. Back when, when Henry Ford started producing automobiles, I believe it was the Model A. Was it the Model T? Was his first one? I think the A was his first, the Model A. He was, he was, well, A comes before T, so I'm going to stick with A, and we can figure it out later. When he was producing automobiles, he made, he made this vehicle, and people began to buy them. But do you know what Ford had to do on Model A's? Well, think about what is, what is going on when the Model A is being produced. Most people get to the store on what? A horse. And what do you do with a horse when you come up to the store? You tie it to the hitching post. You park it at the store, but you tie it to the hitching post. In order to sell Model A's, Henry Ford had to put a ring on the front of the Model A attached to the front bumper so people could attach their cars to the hitching post so it wouldn't go away. Why? Because they had been programmed with a way of thinking. They had been programmed with a way of thinking. And that's the way it is with our financial system. We have been programmed with a way of thinking, but there is a better way. There is a much better way for us. Remember, there's a way that seems right to the man, but in the end it is death, or it's destruction, or it's loss. I also heard, heard uh, I'll just throw this one in since I'm telling stories. I also heard, you know a shopping cart? How many have ever pushed around a shopping cart at a store? Do you know when that shopping cart was first invented... The inventor of that convinced a couple shop owners to put those shopping carts in the store. Do you know that nobody used the shopping carts? The company that built the shopping carts had to pay people to go to stores, push shopping carts around the store, putting things in it so that people could see how shopping carts were used and the benefit of them, and then people started using shopping carts. Why? Because they had been programmed all their life to just bring a basket and put their things in the basket and carry the things in the basket. 
And that's the way most believers are with money. We have been so programmed to the world system that sometimes opportunities come from God, but our programming, our belief system is so deep that we pass it by, and therefore the blessing never comes to us. I guarantee you that God has spoken time and time and time and time again to believers regarding inventions, but because of believers' belief systems, they were not willing or able to act upon it, and he needed the inventions to come out, and so that information was passed on to people like Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos. I mean, think about that. I know I'm running you late, but think about that. Think about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. There was no company in a better position to become the Amazon of today than Sears Roebuck. What happened to Roebuck? I mean, he disappeared. I don't know what happened to Roebuck, but their Sears is at least still around. But think about it. How many of you growing up used to get the Sears catalog? That was revolutionary. That was Amazon of the day. But because of the belief system of the corporates at Sears, they missed the opportunity and allowed Amazon to come in and take a market that, they, that Sears already owned because they weren't willing to transform or change their thinking. Church, it's time for us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove what is the good, acceptable will of God and become transforming to this world. Amen? Amen. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, if I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.